You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes, and then we pretend to rent them, even though we own them. <laughs> Matt, do we have a special guest today? I don't remember. Oh, I do think we have a special guest today. Would you like to say hello to everybody, John? Sure. Hello. Oh my God, it's him again. <laughs> keep bringing him back. I don't know why. He is our least favorite guest. That we love. The reluctant guest. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on to this. Uh, Matt, why did you rent this bad boy? So this week, we are talking about Kevin Costner in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. If you truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can win. The poor, you see. He gives them what he takes. Robin Hood! And I say we strike back at the very man who takes our homes. Going him dead by the next full moon. What I want to know is, are you going to finish what you've started? If you would be free, man, then you must fight! Rock and roll Robin Hood! <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we, that's that's what my dad always called this. We are we are in week two of uh, Theme Song September, and uh, this is this had to be number two. Are you saying this is number two, uh, or are be, you just behind saying... Wild Wild West? Absolutely. <laughs> John, what is your history with this? Movie? Oh man, I loved this movie uh, growing up. I had tons of toys of this too. Um. In all history, there's never been another hero like him. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I fight for justice against the evil sheriff of Nottingham. Robin with a faithful Azim defends Sherwood Forest. Ha ha, I found your hideout. Surrender. You put the Sherwood Forest playset together. Little John, greet our visitor. I, Robin. Figures in playset sold separately. Ha! Didn't get me. Come on, Sheriff. We got you right where we want you. There's only one Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood. One of my favorites were the, uh, it looks just like uh, the sword from the movie, except it was just all gold, and it was the hardest plastic known to man. It was like a diamond. This thing you could chop a tree down with, even though it was really dull. And it came with a tiny knife. I played with that for decades, it seemed like. I loved that stuff. I mean, the toys that had a working bow and arrow, so I made little tiny plastic Kevin Costner shoot stuff all the time. I had also a little uh, like trebuchet that they used, I and mean, I yeah, it was. I loved it when I came out, and I played like Robin Hood all the time afterwards. I can't believe you had toys for this. Oh yeah, I wish you know. I might they might be in a box somewhere. I'll have to look that up. They're probably in Matt's uh, parents' house. <laughs> yes, with everything ever made that I need to continuously keep getting rid of. Matt, what is your history with this? I've never seen this film until like two days ago. Really? 
Yeah, I just missed it. You know, it came out in 91. I was one when this came out. So I think, you know, my first sort of memories of movies are like stuff that came out in 92, like Terminator 2 and Batman Returns and Alien 3. These are like the first movies I remember watching. So I just no. missed this one. Oh, man. As a 90s kid, I'm really surprised, but hey, it happens. Yeah, it's like because I missed it in childhood, I never went back to sort of nostalgically watch it because I didn't have any nostalgia for it. No reason to like not want to see this movie. I just never caught it. And then here we are. <laughs> you never wanted to go back and watch the murky colors, the murky color palette of Robin Hood? God, I love sweaty 90s look. <laughs> yeah, it was 90s. funny watching it. I just realized like how 90s it looked. I couldn't. I never really thought of that as like a genre almost of movies until I rewatched it, and I was like, this is like, yeah, this is the palette of 90s movies. The way it was shot, the yeah, I just everything was screamed 90s to me about it. Yeah, way back when we did Death Wish with Alex on here as a special guest, we coined it. Uncomfortable early 90s. I know, too, cinematography-wise, it was like they didn't zoom in, and instead of zooming in, they just ran the camera up to people. There was, like, tons of that in the movie. Oh, yeah. That's very, like, MTV of this time, for sure. That's the MTV influence on all these big-budget movies. Yeah, my brothers and I watched this so, so much. This was the type of film that we'd put on to go to bed to. Even though we all fought to get our own room, we ended up basically being in the same room watching a movie, falling asleep. And this was one of them that was part of the just cycle. We had Dumb and Dumber, Robin Hood, Sandlot. I can't remember (laughs) for a while, He-Man, believe that or not. Oh man, we were dumb. So I had seen probably the first 30 to 45 minutes of this film, honestly, conservative guess, 30 times. We just watched this so damn much. But we'd always fall. I would always fall asleep about 30 minutes in. I think when Robin Hood is maybe uh, entering the forest, the haunted Sherwood Forest, I'm pretty sure that's when I would always fall asleep. That's not very far. That's not very far into this at all. (laughs) Is it not? Well, I don't know where 45 minutes is in this, so I don't know. I actually wasn't watching the time counter for once when watching this movie, so I actually don't know. Okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty of the details here. Released on June 14th, 1991, when Matt was two. I was one still you were at one. that time. <laughs> uh, at a budget of $48 million, this this film grossed worldwide $390 million. Woo! And, I mean, you, can, you look at this thing, and you think, this has got to be the biggest movie in 91. Like, this has got to be. Second biggest. Terminator, right? Damn it, Matt. That was going to be my trivia question. It's got to be Terminator. Uh, so our trivia portion of this show will be replaced with wah, wah, it's Matt. Uh, directed by Kevin Reynolds, who also directed Kevin Costner a few other times in Waterworld and something called Fandango. Oh, I remember Fan. Well, I remember Fandango, but I, I don't. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I just remember it existed now. Yeah, eighty-five Costner. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I'm aware of its existence. That's about it. Never seen it. I wonder if it's as uncomfortable <laughs> looking sometimes as this film. Uncomfortable looking. Yeah, like where they're like, ah, everyone needs to take a shower. And, oh yeah, if it's just as sweaty. And yeah. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much dirt in the air. <laughs> 
I bet their allergies sucked. Uh, written by Pin Dinsham and John Watson. I could give you guys 1,000 guesses. One other film that they wrote and produced together. And you'd never get this, so I'm just going to say it. I watched it not too long ago and posted it on Facebook. It's The Gnome Named Norm or The Gnome <laughs> Named Gnorm. They wrote and produced that along I with this. would have never known. Well, I like that movie, so... <laughs> Have you ever seen that, John? I have not. Oh, that's something you should uh, you should find that and watch that. It'll be something I'll have to remedy. Yeah, it's a, it's a Frank Oz movie. That <laughs> it, it blew my it blew my mind when I saw that on there. Like all these other like Backdraft and Tank Girl and other movies that well maybe Tank Girl didn't make money, but Backdraft and a lot of other movies they produced and wrote made money. But my eyes went straight to. A norm name, a gnome named Norm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a sick man. That's amazing. Yeah, that does not surprise me. <laughs> uh, did you know that uh, Brian Adams won a Golden Globe and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song Written for a Motion Picture? He fucking better be. Yes. <laughs> the song is amazing. I've never heard it. <laughs> Really? Lies. I think my friends. I think my friends' first like dance as a husband and wife was to this song. I think a lot of our friends' first dances are to this song. <laughs> <laughs> I always get this mixed up with the Three Musketeers song. Yes, always mm-hmm. the All for One. Oh. Is that as uh, it's like Lyle Lovett, Brian Adams, and Sting or something, right? Yeah, definitely Sting and Brian Adams. Who'd you say the last, the third one was? I think it's Lyle Lovett is the third. The guy who was married to Julia Roberts? Yep. He's also a famous musician. No. He is. <laughs> he is. Only married to Julia Roberts. I, You know, it's funny. I knew of him before that because I went to a concert of his. It was the very first concert I ever went to, and he opened up for Sting when I was like in fifth grade or sixth grade or something. That was early 90s as well. <laughs> Did your parents take you to that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we all went. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Two months ago, I just saw Brian Adams live. <laughs> and he nice. definitely saved those two songs we just talked about for last. Right before he, like when he finished his set, he did this song, the Robin Hood song. And then when he came back for his encore, he finished with the Three Musketeers song. So he is just a soundtrack wizard. We could pluck any of these movies and be like, Brian Adams probably did the theme song for it. Like, so funny. Did you look into his eyes? Yes. Uh, what did you see? I mean, <laughs> did you see what you meant to him? <laughs> Search your heart. I don't know. You can't tell me that that he really did that. And it's not worth dying for, I don't think, either. <laughs> I don't know. Don't tell me it's not worth trying for. <laughs> You know it's true. Everything Brian <laughs> Adams does, he does it for Analog Jones. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's come full circle. I feel like that's the kind of song that like drunk guys would sing at the end of the night knowing that no one can see them, you know, embarrass themselves. Yeah. Like our college friends, John, who would sing it at yeah. any time. Yeah, that Oh yeah. I have sang this at karaoke before. <laughs> like at karaoke. Yes. At like 10 o'clock on a Tuesday karaoke. (laughs) That's the best karaoke. (laughs) Uh, So we take a look at the front here, and I've got an original uh, from 91. Uh, It has seen some better days, but that's okay. 
and I think I got this from a half price books because uh, I had never seen it before and thought I needed to remedy that. Cover is pretty simple. There's a fire behind Kevin Costner looking intense, shooting a fiery bow and arrow right at camera here. And a, and a big box right at the top. Kevin Costner is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That is our poster. That is our box art. That is all you need for this. But like with the fire behind him and him having the fiery bow and arrow, it immediately conveys the sweaty, fiery, hot look of the 90s right from this box art here. This is him actually running away from Waterworld and, <laughs> and the Postman. Or is it? It's so hot behind him that he's running to Waterworld because he thinks it's going to like cool him off, and then he realizes that that was a terrible mistake. And so then he goes and becomes a postman and leaves and lives off in the wilderness for a while. I think you just figured out Kevin Costner's dreams. <laughs> yeah, I... or nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> like I must have missed Kevin Costner though in the '90s because I had never seen any of these films. I might have seen Waterworld and I just don't remember it, but I don't think I've seen like any of these fucking movies. So let's turn it around with the synopsis. Well, we don't have one. For <laughs> <laughs> we just have, for the good of all men and the love of one woman, he fought to uphold justice by breaking the law. Four stars, one of the most spectacular movies ever made, NBC. Uh, and then we get a bunch of stills. We get uh, Robin Hood with his horse looking like ominous. We get uh, Christian Slater looking sweaty, shirtless, coming out of like a hole. Maid Marian and Robin Hood in a warm embrace. Morgan Freeman holding his sword looking inquisitive. We've got <laughs> Helen Rickman looking right at the camera looking devious as fuck. I don't. I can't remember another VHS that literally just goes, ah, no one reads this shit. Just put pictures. Yeah, and, this must have been like a 1991 thing. I don't know. Uh, it also mentions whoa. that it's recorded on premium tape from BASF. I have not seen that on any tape. But the funny thing about my copy is when you pull it out, the printing on the actual tape where it says like Robin Hood, PG-13, all that shit, is upside down. Uh, <laughs> so it's like they just slapped it through the printer and we're like calling it good they uh they have it upside down here so that was fun let's get into the story here um i don't know about you guys but when this movie started and that theme swells i like immediately was like just sent right back in time when i watched this as a kid and man that theme is damn good See, I didn't have the nostalgia because I hadn't seen it as a kid, but I was like, ooh, the Morgan Creek theme, because that's what it is now for that studio. <laughs> yes, that's right. It also, um, I've also seen it for, as like a Disney advertisement. It'll be that, that song, and then it's like, it ends with that boom, 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 and you just hear a guy say, Disney, like <laughs> that, and it's got the logo. But yeah, I agree with you, Steve. I, I immediately was a child again. I was like eight years old and loving every moment of this movie. You know, I can't remember the guy who did the music for this. I can't it's remember. It's Michael Kamen. Yeah. Now, Kamen's super popular, especially in the 90s. But man, he must have made a lot of money if Disney was using this and other things. He's got yeah. to be getting some checks. He, it's, it's used in pretty much any like montage of movies after this movie came out. Like. 
Okay, so we get into this and immediately lets you know that we're in the Crusades. And I noticed it said the Third Crusades. I was like, Jesus, how many were there? Yeah, I was like, I didn't know there was a Third Crusade. I know, I thought we went twice, but I'll be honest, I don't know shit about English history back in the 1100s. I took in college a class on medieval history, and I still don't know anything because all that we, it was like, it was one of the, like, it was a required class, like a history class or whatever we had to take in college, and like, it seemed like the most fun. We learned more about, like, farming and trading in that class than anything, you know, like, no broad strokes, like, there were three crusades, because I couldn't tell you if there were or not, but it was like, you could trade a sheep for this back in the day. (laughs) Uh, so we see we are in prison and um, Kevin Costner acting his ass off when he's just like, no, I took the bread. I mean, I didn't see a lot of the old Kevin Costner movies. I have no idea. I I liked his performance in this because I'm so used to seeing him now where he plays such super dry, super serious roles all the time in like bad movies. Uh, so I actually was having a blast watching Kevin Costner here because I was like, oh my God, Kevin Costner's having fun for a change. <laughs> well, it, it's the, in like back-to-back shots too and cuts, it shows him like trying to, you know, save his friend. He's like, no, 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 I took the bread. I'll go first. So like he, you know, the guy's gonna chop off his hand and he pulls it across. That's awesome. Yeah. Like his, his like intense face. I, I just thought... Maybe I'm nitpicking him a little bit because I've seen Kevin Costner do, you know, next to nothing for a paycheck in the future, like you just said, with the dry look. Yeah, like a lot of... Re- well, I think he's still a good actor. He's just super serious in everything now and in, in bad movies. So, <laughs> I, yeah, it was fun watching him here. And also, like, when he was, you know, when he gets, gets his hand away and he starts beating up the guards and, you know, killing the bad guys... He looks so much like Rob Zombie here that I like couldn't stop laughing because <laughs> that's exactly what he looked like. What? <laughs> Go back and watch that scene and tell me that dude doesn't look exactly like '90s era Rob Zombie. They all, he kind of looks like some people do today. He's got that monster beard and then a man bun that's just not done up in a man bun. Yeah, wow. You guys you must have watched a different 10 minutes than me. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember him disheveled with like the shitty beard and long hair, but Rob Zombie just, I mean, is Rob Zombie. No one looks like Rob Zombie, except apparently Kevin Costner in this film, according <laughs> Only to Only in the first 10 minutes, <laughs> when he's all scraggly and like covered in hair, that's what he looks like to me. Uh, so they escape. Peter dies. Uh, he's like, hey, give my sister this ring, uh, protect her. And we meet probably the best character in this film, also Azim, played by Morgan Freeman, who is acting the shit out of this role. Yeah, he's the great one. I can't even say that this is my favorite character because there's so many good characters in this movie. There's so many people I like. I think I definitely have a personalness to Alan Rickman because he's chewing scenery, but uh, we'll get to that. (laughs) Okay. Morgan Freeman is the best actor in this movie on Earth. Alan Rickman is the best actor who's just like shot past Earth and is like clearing the moon right now. Because yes. <laughs> him hamming it up in this film is mwah. it's wonderful. Yeah, there's. I feel like there's lots of overacting. Like like the guy who dies in uh, in the beginning. I was like, oh, the way he's acting is oh no, we, it was oh. like he's just like over the top with it, and I just it's like everybody was like. 
yep, this is the tone of the movie, and they all went for it. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe some of them were going for like the whole Shakespearean feel. And yeah, everything. Every, to me, everything in this movie is huge. The oh, sets yeah. are huge. The yeah. set pieces are huge. Everyone's acting is huge. Like, I, it is a big fucking production. It is just dripping with production value. No doubt. This thing looks like it costs a fortune. And it did cost $48 million, which I imagine in 1990 when it was being shot, was that's a pretty damn big film. Yeah. So we get back to England. I don't know if this guy was attacking Azim because he was mad or if Robin Hood set it up. Because after Azim, I don't know, beats the crap out of this, I don't know, boatman. Oh, yeah. Robin Hood yeah. set it up. He was going to take him... It, he knew that, yeah. like, Azim has sworn himself to be Robin Hood's partner because he saved his life. So he tries to get rid of him once. It doesn't work. When he makes it back to England, he tries, he pays off the boat guy to, you know, take him back on the boat. But Azim is way too strong and thwarts that plan immediately. <laughs> Which, by the way, this yeah. is like a positive look at a Muslim at this time period. I, I thought that was... Oh, yeah. We were moving into the Clinton 90s, man. It was progress. <laughs> Everything was just like, hey, man, you can be whatever you want to be, and it's okay. <laughs> just, I want you to run for president now, and that to be your line. doesn't want me as a president. Well, we've got a pretty good one right now. Oh, barf. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast has taken a dramatic turn. Uh, we have a kid running away from a bunch of men on horses because he killed a deer. And then we see top dollar from the crow is the sheriff's cousin. Michael Wincott, I think his name is. He's great. I love I, when he shows up and shit. I only call him top dollar. It's just hearing him talk makes me want to clear my throat. Did you look at his teeth? He dirtied up his teeth oh. for the film. Yeah, he... He's he's another one giving it a hundred percent in this one. I uh, loved when he showed up in here. Yeah, and I wanted to watch The Crow. Also, I was like, man, this film's awesome, and I want to watch another awesome film, The Crow, which is also again super nineties. Yeah, just living in the well, and I think of him too because he's the captain in uh, Alien Resurrection. <laughs> Somewhere in there, uh, Robin Hood's father dies from the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> <laughs> So when he rides out there and they're all in the white robes, I don't remember this as a kid. Oh, I do. Well, when he goes back to the castle and he sees his dad dead. Brian Blessed. All right, yes, that is his name. Uh, so his dad is dead. I remember that very iconic uh, shot when I was a kid. It kind of disturbed me, like seeing his dad. like I, Almost like he was like just burned. Burnt. Yeah. Yeah, this... Oh, yeah. I mean, from the from the opening scene where Rob Zombie is beating up all the guards and like kill the one guy and like up to this scene it made me realize like this movie is like surprisingly graphic mm -hmm. for like what kind of movie it is for like a PG-13 summer blockbuster like this movie goes there in England this movie is actually PG it's a rough one I think this is a pretty this is a pretty hard PG-13 I agree it's a PG-13 but it's a hard PG-13 we got a hand getting sliced off at the very beginning. Guys getting shot in the back with arrows. You've got Robin Hood's dad getting killed by a group of hooded men. And then you got his 
burnt corpse and then we see duncan whose With eyes have no been eyes. stabbed out yeah like and just like yeah gaping wounds for eyes or like not gaping but like almost like sealed over wounds for eyes now and it's like looking rough yeah not looking great and it's like whoo this movie is not shying away from this stuff no this is yeah this is definitely a brutal film and i'd like to ask my parents what were you thinking but every parent took every kid to see this movie there were toys for christ's yeah. sake <laughs> it was during that time period robocop predator freddy jason demolition Talk man had toys it's just everything all of these movies had toys <laughs> and kids saw them all for some reason <laughs> just bring them all yep uh then we get a shot of maid marion maid marion's hair is incredible it's outrageous i think it gets big every time we see her. yeah <laughs> and I mean, it's it grows throughout the film it just it just grows that's what mel brooks should have done in men and type oh yeah that would have been perfect then again maybe he did i haven't seen that film in years see i was having more flashbacks to men and tights while watching this because i have seen that movie probably 100 times and i had never seen this one so i was like oh this is what men and tights was directly spoofing got it now yeah definitely more you appreciated that more after seeing this yeah no kidding i i agree i bet if we went right at, you know, if we just watched that movie right after this podcast, we'd crack up even more. Yeah, because now we can't catch the little things that were probably put in there that were literal, refer- like direct references to this movie. Yeah. And I don't even know why. It's just sidebar. I don't even know why I've seen that movie a hundred times. I like it, but I don't love that movie. <laughs> I like it. It's funny. It's cute. I mean, it's Mel Brooks. It's Mel Brooks. I laugh, but like, I don't know why. It's not like a favorite of mine. Or yeah. anything. It's so weird. Anyway, I've seen a lot. I've right. never seen this one, though. <laughs> I'll let you guys answer this. So when he meets Maid Marian, first it's her protector up in the rafters, and then Maid Marian attacks him in, a, in, you know, whatever, like black armor. Why? Did she not listen to anything he just said? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was weird. Uh, yeah, she had to be hiding there, so you think she'd hear it, but I think they were also just like... Oh, we think it'd be cool if that was just the way she was introduced. Yeah, I think that was it. I think it was just like, let's let's fake out the audience. Yeah. I think there was no real, like, basis and logic in it. It was just cool scene. Well, I, th- I find it weird. At the beginning of the film, she's fighting with a sword, you know, trying to take out Robin Hood. A different part of the film, she knees a guy in the groin. And then at the end of the film, like she can't do anything to help herself against the sheriff. I'm like, she progressively got worse. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, they were like, we're, this is, this is a different Marion than you've seen in any adaptation ever before. She's going to kick ass and take names. But like by the end of the movie, she still needs to be saved by like Robin Hood and she can't fend for herself. I don't know. Odd choice there, but whatever. It's a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. It was made in 91. What do they know? (laughs) 91, back when women were were not as important. Oh, yeah, back in the day. The 90s were still doing it where women were just used as uh, either they're going to be raped so a guy can get revenge or they're going to be kidnapped so a guy can rescue them. Right, yeah. Well, it was the 90s were getting better. 90s were, you know, we had more progressive, you know, female leads and, and things yeah. and stuff like that. But, like... This was still kind of coming off the 80s. It was like it was like they were trying but didn't quite know what to do type thing. Like 
Yeah, it's it's like an in between. Yeah, I think yeah. that was it. She's still she's still like an eye candy needs help damsel in distress type of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure Hollywood executives are like, okay, so now everyone wants a Ripley. How do we make another Ripley? Yeah, and they just they they didn't quite go there yet, but eh, they tried. Props for trying, I guess. <laughs> well, it's funny you said that because she was in the Abyss, so it's like they tried to do Ripley without being actually Sigourney Weaver. That's true. Yeah, she was in the uh, Abyss, which is a damn good movie from what I remember. Haven't seen it in a really long time. Uh, same, same. I really yeah. liked it when I saw it, but I don't remember it now. Okay, so uh, they steal her horses, kind of. Uh, they have to run away from all these, uh, oh, shoot, I don't even know what the sheriff's men are called. Just the sheriff's men? Because Robin Hood has the merry men. Yeah, I think they're just the sheriff's like cronies you know? yeah they i don't just, know yeah i don't think they have a name so they chase them into it's uh yeah it's captain gravel voices like league of men running after them it's the league of not so extraordinary gentlemen <laughs> so they go into the haunted woods i'm doing air quotes here because it was you know just i i don't even know what they did didn't they have like wind chimes yeah they just use wind chimes yep yeah uh and then we find will scarlet doing a lovely little ditty where he uh it's like, look at the rich man shiver or something. I, I can't remember exactly what There was a rich man from Nottingham who tried to cross a river. What a dope. He tripped on a rope. Now look at him shiver. Yeah, I got it memorized. Oh. And then he has to fight little John. Yeah. Which John. John little. Yeah. John yeah. little. Little John. Uh, now, uh, did you guys notice he wasn't a bear in this one? I, I was very confused. <laughs> yeah, and Kevin Costner was not a fox either. Disney <laughs> one, right? I haven't seen that since childhood, and I just it all flashed back to me. I was like, "Oh my god, they're animals in that movie!" I totally forgot. Didn't even remember that in the slightest until you said that right now. <laughs> yeah, that was my Robin Hood. This was my second Robin Hood. Oh, yeah, I agree. That that was my that's uh, still my one of my all time favorite Robin Hoods. Wait, this one or that one? <laughs> the, the Disney one. Uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham in that, where where his crown won't stay on his head and it keeps like falling down. Yeah. Uh, I just, I love that so much. Uh, I love you too, Kevin Costner. Don't worry. <laughs> so he fights Little John. Little John uh, wants his... I don't know, medallion from, that he got from his father, which is kind of like a very iconic symbol in this film. Yeah. But I feel like I forget about it each time when I start, and then I just remember it right when I put on the film. Like sometimes there's symbols in films that you remember uh, over the film. I feel like this one's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, this was at the time when every screenwriter thought they had to have, and this in one screenwriting class I took in college too, they like taught you to always have like an item like that represented something. There's always an item. And I'm like, I don't, I think that was a phase. Like a MacGuffin? Like you had to have a MacGuffin for something? Not necessarily a MacGuffin, like literally an item, like a, like a, something that sort of represented the whole movie. Cause like a MacGuffin is something that like, you know, is there, but then doesn't end up leading to anything. This is more like having to have something in there 
to represent the whole film almost. And like a lot of screenplays in the nineties did this for some reason, they still taught it when I was in college, but I just don't think it's a thing. I think it's a phase. I think uh, it's something that happened here. I think this was an eighties and nineties phase too, because I remember reading how to build a character. And I remember there were like, I don't know, six or seven steps. Yeah. And one of them was items. Yeah. And I, I remember, but, it does work though. Luke Skywalker with his lightsaber, uh, Darth Vader with his mask, uh, analog, analog. Damn it, Indiana Jones with his hat and his whip. Yeah, Aragorn with his shards of Narsil. You know. Yeah, there's like just certain characters with items, but I feel like it was a '50s thing and like an '80s thing. Keeps going. Now we have Thor with a hammer. You know, like even yeah, though that's that's yeah. based off old mythology, but you know. Yeah, it's just not as prevalent though now. Like it really isn't, and it's a it's a thing of this this past. I think. Like, well, now it's all about quick cuts. Yeah, I guess there's no time for items in movies now. <laughs> yeah, maybe why they're not as original or as great anymore. Maybe they don't have movies. Don't have theme songs anymore, and movies don't have items anymore. I think that's what needs to come back. Oh, it will. It, I mean, movies, like, every 30 years just come back to the old, yeah. like, okay, well, what are we going to do now? I don't know. My kids love this, and I love it. Yeah, let's put a theme song in it, and let's fucking have them carry around a satchel or something. The whole movie represents Guys, something. Are we writing a movie right now? Yeah. It is. I think we are. We're doing it again. Every time we get John on this, we write a fucking film. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Will Scarlet, what do you guys think of this character? He's whiny. He's just like the whiny, uh, kind of emotional side character. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, this is, this is Christian <laughs> Slater, right? This is very young Christian Slater. I think he's only yeah. in this movie because he's Christian Slater. They're like right apart from I think Christian so. Slater. Like, yeah. I mean, we need something for teenagers. Right. Like, this is the part, like, we have... We have little John's son, who's the one that gets kidnapped, but then we find out as part of the, or almost gets kidnapped and then later kidnapped again. And <laughs> he's part of the merry band. Like that's for the little kids. That's for the ones that are going to buy toys. Then for the teenagers, we get Christian Slater and then we get Kevin Costner for the adults. And then us weirdos get Alan Rickman. So <laughs> <laughs> wow, you broke that down like perfectly. Yeah. I think I yeah. that movie. I think this sells to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's almost like I can hear an executive, like they they're watching a version of it and they're like, what's missing. We need a Christian Slater. And then they have like a puff of their cigar or something. Well, they wanted Johnny Depp at first but he he turned it down it's like damn even 1990 johnny depp had the balls just go oh a big budget warner brothers film nah i'll pass except that that's the shit he's doing now (laughs) exactly yeah these kind of movies now (laughs) well i mean he's making a lot of money i do him too and he's getting a divorce and probably sued i don't know yeah Oh, man. You know what? The next scene, I, I always remember this. When he goes to the church and, you know, he meets Maid Marian. She tells him to take a bath. But the thing that always gets me is the greedy bishop when he's, like, taking off all of his rings and he yells, don't shed blood in a god's house. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kevin Costner literally goes to shed blood and cuts his cheek. Yeah. And then, and then runs. And I love it when... um I don't know. Doesn't something? I don't know what Alan Rickman yells, but then 
Robin Hood. I'm gonna cut your heart out with a spoon. Loxley, I'm gonna cut your heart out with a spoon. Then it begins. And then Robin Hood points down to me and goes, then it begins. And I was like, fucking yeah! <laughs> and moves just out of the way as like a, a barrage of arrows go, tink, 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 like right yeah. in his place. Oh, man. And, and then we get him going straight back. He brings the bread to everyone. After he steals, after he steals the sheriff's horse, of course. Yeah, the, to me, this is when this film really picks up. Yeah. Because right after this, we get him talking to Little John, and Little John's like, well, who's going to well, – what are you going to do? Put this together? I don't know what he says, but he goes, no, I'm going to lead them. And I was like, damn. Yeah, this is where the movie becomes right. To the guy – yeah, to the guy who was currently leading everybody. Just pretty much demotes him right away. And then we get Kevin Costner standing on a tree trying to do Shakespeare. Because we haven't brought this up because uh, some of the words he uses in this, I was like, I, this doesn't sound like Kevin Costner. This sounds like someone wrote these lines for him. And he's like, okay, well, I'll just say it. But it gets me pumped up. And then we get a fucking montage, and I'm like, so done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's he's not doing the English accent, but he's saying English phrases in an American accent. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm trying to put into words here. It's like someone wrote it for a British accent, but he said it as Kevin Costner in his American accent, and something's a little off. That if you truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can win. They got armor. They got armor, Paul. Even this boy can be taught to find the chinks in every suit of armor. But we ain't got nothing to eat. What do we need that the forest cannot provide? We have food, wood for weapons. We'll find safety and solace in her trees. Yeah, but what about our kin? <laughs> Shutters taking all they got, too. Yeah. And by God, we take it back. Like when he's just like, what can we not eat that the forest provides? And I was like, this sounds like Shakespeare in the Park. <laughs> well, it's funny because like everybody, like, like Top Dollar and... Christian Slater do sort of like a bridge, sort of, but like Kevin Costner just outright refuses. Like yeah. <laughs> everybody else around him is kind of doing British, but he's like, nope, <laughs> I'm just going to be Kevin Costner. And you know what? Fucking works. Well, you know, it's funny because he, the times he does do the accent is when he's pretending to be blind, homeless, like when he's going into the church. So like, if you notice me, saw, and it's like really, I'll sweep your chimneys all will, like type of accent. And it's really bad. And I'm wondering if maybe he just couldn't do one. And they're like, no, nah, just do it in your normal voice. Yeah, like maybe those were done at the beginning of the shoot. And they're like, hey, Kevin, don't worry about it. Yeah, like, no, just do <laughs> you, boo. Just do you. <laughs> <laughs> they like just pat his head and then like pinch him in the cheek. And... I've, got a, uh, I've got a direction for you as your director. Don't. <laughs> Please stop. But yeah, once this montage gets kicking and we start stealing stuff from... The Sheriff's Men. Oh, I love it. And then when we get to Friar Tuck, beautiful. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, I love this actor too. This dude from Office Space. I love this guy. Like, this guy's so good as Friar Tuck. Yes. Oh, he's perfect. He was in Office Space? He's the guy who hypnotizes him. What's funny is uh, in uh, the IMDb, it says Michael McShane, 
Friar Tuck parentheses as Michael McShane. So it's like he's playing Friar Tuck as himself. <laughs> well, I I mean, he should be Friar Tuck in everything he does because there's something even in the extended cut, which John and I watched because spoilers here. Um, we didn't all three watch the same tape. Uh, John and I watched it off Amazon Prime and it gave us the extended cut and it makes Friar Tuck more of a dick in that movie. Yeah. How much long? This movie's fucking long. How long is the extended cut? I don't, it didn't seem that much longer. It was just, there was, it was one of those things that I didn't know going in that it was an extended cut. There was just like two or three clips that I was like, I don't, I don't remember that. And it's like, you know, an extra minute or two. Yeah, we talked on the phone right before we started this and both went through the same like emotions of like, I don't remember this because it was like like 30 seconds added here or two minutes added here. I, yeah. I think it was probably maybe eight minutes of extra film that they cut out. Most of it was Sheriff of Nottingham being a devil worshiper or something like that. We find out that the witch is actually his mom. Well, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that it is his mom. Yeah. Like, and, and see, I never got that as a oh, kid. I got it immediately watching this not extended no. cut. Like, I was like, that's his mom. Yeah. As a kid, I did not. And then when I watched this, I was like, wait a minute. Is she just a, was she like an adoptive? And, and I, I started actually thinking about it kind of for the first time. Then it showed that scene where she was like, I birthed you with this body. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Everything I knew as a kid is ruined. I, I thought I just completely blanked that out as a kid. And then finally, when I was doing research on this film, I go, oh, my God, I watched the extended cut and didn't even know. But I knew something was wrong. The back of my head was just like, Steve, this isn't right. <laughs> the back of my head sounds a lot like Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yeah. Great, Scott. <laughs> this is what you get for not watching the VHS. And then when you make a mistake, it's, it's that moment when he goes, <laughs> After he catches that little thing on fire. That's right. Uh, did anyone notice uh, the Kevin Costner butt that we got in this? Oh, yeah. Couldn't miss it. How could you not? Yeah. I, I bet all of our moms got the vapors. Ooh. Because I feel like moms during this time period loved Kevin Costner. My mom didn't, but my aunt loves him still to this day. Like, to the point where... She can't mention him around my uncle because it gets him upset. <laughs> <laughs> what does he think? She's going to just like leave him and go run off Kevin Costner? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. It, like, I think in my head, she like still like runs off and watches movies of his like without him knowing and she can't tell him about it and you know, things like that. Did you guys notice they stuck a love story in our 90s kid adventure? <laughs> what? Like when he twirls Maid Marian down the rope. I remember immediately going, it's love. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, the, the music swelled up and I was just like, oh man, they stuck a romantic film in my adventure. Again, they got all quadrants. They had to appeal to the crowd that likes romance too. They covered it. All in this movie. <laughs> Were we tricked by the WB corporate? Yes, we all fell for the corporation here. And we all saw this movie and they knew it because they formulaically planned it for us to all love it. <laughs> Damn. They had done their research and the, all the different, uh, uh, what do they call that? Like crowd watching. What's that called? 
test creating things? Yes. Uh, focus group. Focus group. That's what I meant. It's so funny. Like, in the 90s, you could, like, focus group and test screen a movie to hell and then perfectly craft it to get, like, your whole audience everything. Nowadays, you think they learn, but nowadays when you, like, test screen a movie to hell, it just destroys the movie. (laughs) You can can tell nowadays when something... Like, you could tell watching Robin Hood, obviously, it was tailor-made for everybody. But it works. Like, it works. When you watch a movie today that's trying to be for everybody, you're just like, stop. Just stop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, too, you know, those things that everybody needs in it, it's now there's so much that you're just stretching everything too thin. Well, last week when we did Wild Wild West, that one is clearly, after after the focus group screened that shit, it just turned into, like, just a muddled, weird, iconic mess. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Wild Wild West was sort of the beginning of the turning point for over-test screening and over- you know, trying to sell it to everybody thing. That was the beginning of the end. <laughs> Can we get Armageddon again? Uh, this is a Western movie. <laughs> Wild Wild West seems to me like it was just one big Burger King commercial. It was. We talked about it in the episode that, that it was selling ha- a specific Wild Wild West hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we can't talk about Will Smith. We'll never get through the Costner film. <laughs> There's the pairing that we need. We need a Kevin Costner and Will Smith movie. Boom. No, no, people would die. It'd be too much. <laughs> They're both in the DC universe. Uh, Kevin Costner's Superman's dad, and uh, Will Smith is Deadshot or whatever he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's put them together. Let's find a way to make this work, guys. This is the thing that's going to save DC. <laughs> it's going to be a quick shot where they're both like in parents counseling. Where they're like, oh, you got like a kid with special powers? Yeah, well, I've got the special powers and I have a kid. Oh, really? And then they, they're like best friends. Team up. This is, this is why on this podcast, we can never mention Costner and Smith in the same sentence because we never stop talking about Costner <laughs> and Smith. <laughs> and then we start writing another movie. No, guys, it's one movie per episode that we can write. <laughs> I think we're up to three already. <laughs> Probably. So somewhere in here, uh, Little John has a kid. Azim saves her. Let's get forward to the weird Celtic hiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which is a cutscene that you didn't get to see, where they have a Celtic like leader walk into a room. I couldn't remember if they were calling it Celtic or the Kells, like K E L L. Ooh, that's a good. Like I, it, that was that to me. I heard it so many different ways in the movie. I couldn't pin down what it was i th- i heard both too yeah i don't know what it was either maybe they're both i mean I don't, maybe they're the both the kills i don't yeah. know <laughs> but uh he takes a log that's on fire and like puts it out on his hand you know like someone would do a cigarette in a, another movie but this one's like no we're bigger than that he's gonna put a log out in his hand that's funny yeah because all i see is like the witch suggesting it mm-hmm. to alan rickman and then cut to when they invade the forest which, what a great fucking set that yeah. is. That is an incredible set with a forest, which I know oh, yeah. famously became a toy set that was just a repaint of the Star Wars. The Ewoks? Yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but, like, what an amazing set. And, yeah, they just come in and just sort of ravage it. I remember that's, that, that is it. It's a better cut in the theatrical 
version because uh, we don't waste time. Yeah, no, this yeah. fucking, for a two and a half hour movie, this fucking movie wastes no time. It flies by. Well, see, that's kind of the problem with the extended cut. I get why they cut it because you're like, ah, faster. Let's just get to this. Yeah, like, there's... this movie moves. Well, the theatrical cut anyway, the VHS it, cut. If you can't tell from our crazy ass podcast, this movie has a lot going on. Yeah. And it's tough for three to sit down and explain. The Merry Men get just annihilated. Uh, Little John barely rescues his wife, which I, I would like to add that I really like his wife. Yeah, I recommend yeah. their scenes together. And when she's like saying the the I'm joining the group and I will be there helping you guys and she's like, Who's gonna watch our seven kids? And she's like, I gotta go save my <laughs> yeah. one. Like, it's no, great. It's no, great. no, it's eight kids. Well no, no, she's got he's got seven there. Oh and yeah, you should have been kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> you should be watching the yeah. seven others. I'm not gonna just let one of them die and I'm like, Yeah, little John. But, <laughs> but at the same time I understand little John. I was like who is going to take care of the kids? Like if they both die. Right. But they don't, they make it and it's all okay. (laughs) Spoilers. I don't think anybody's like watching the movie along with us. It's it's almost like the mom is going to do everything she can do. She's going to do it for you. Oh, there it is. Takes it back. Brian Adams wrote this song thinking of her. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I it's a love song to her, but no one knows it. <laughs> we did gloss over this, the, like, one, and it's fine because it's not, like, the best scene or anything in the movie, but, like, the sort of, like, kindling of the love between Kevin Costner and Marion, that scene when the little tinkle of uh, everything I do starts playing mm-hmm. underneath them. Yeah. And she sings yeah. the line, everything I'll do, I'll do for you. I was just like, damn. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the feels. So a- after, you know, the Merry Men get destroyed and everything, we-, we should take a break to talk about Alan Rickman all the way up to here. Because his portrayal as the sheriff is so good. It's almost like he's in a different film <laughs> and it doesn't hurt the film. Yeah. Because they're like doing extreme zoom ins on his face. Yeah. He's just like spit everywhere he's got really picking his teeth with gloves on in that scene (laughs) yeah as as like a barrage of arrows on fire are going past him he's just like nonchalantly well and the one line at the beginning where he's just like you who told you to cover up you i'll meet you at 10 30 you i'll see and i was like you know these are kind of like using women as objects but alan rickman is such a charismatic guy like i found myself laughing and i'm like no steve that's that's don't laugh at that that's well, bad. he's watchable like, he's the worst but he's so watchable in this movie like yeah it, no matter what shitty thing he does you're like god it's an incredible performance yeah. <laughs> can't take it off of him. well one of the parts that really sticks with me is when he leans down he starts talking to the little girl and once the they just destroy the merry men they capture a bunch of kids, women, men, and they're going to take the men and hang them. And they're going to, I don't know what they're going to do with the children. No one knows. But Alan Rickman, I mean, Sheriff, (laughs) Sheriff of the Nottingham, he takes the little girl in his hands. He's just like, oh, you're so sad. What's it like to be a sad child? And Maid Marian looks down and she's like, damn it, I'm going to have to marry this asshole. (laughs) This creep. (laughs) And you can see it in her face. She's like, fuck <laughs> uh, one thing 
uh, I was I was watching this movie with uh, with Ashley, and she pointed out, and I, I agree, a lot of the scenes with Alan Rickman, particularly the scenes with him and the witch, his mother, but like some scenes just with Alan Rickman alone too, they are almost shot like a '90s era like Tales from the Crypt episode, where they're like, it's very eerie, like the yeah. atmosphere in those scenes, very creepy and weird and like comic booky kind of weird. Um, and it adds to his demented, warped character for sure. So it did. Like I, I'm not crazy here. It felt like a different film sometimes. Like when he it was, cut to him alone yeah. or him with the witch, it was a horror film. It was a '90s horror film for sure. Yeah, like the uh, Mortiana or whatever her name is when she comes in the little uh, witch character. The very first shot, you know, it's like a, it's cloudy and hazy, and then her hand just breaks that, and it has this like dark shadow goes across it and it's just that little split second of like it she's like coming through like a haze like ding, and it's like a, oh yeah her name is actually tracy olman in this uh you're you're getting it mixed up oh really oh okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man and, and kudos to tracy olman playing the witch that's making fun of this film damn <laughs> there there was a part of me where I don't know what it was like when she came on, I wanted Tracy Ullman to come in from the side and be like, ah! like <laughs> almost kind of like an evil dead deadite where it's yeah, just like, I'll suck your soul. That's what, that's what this looks like. Yeah. yeah. I was getting a lot of flashes to army of darkness watching yeah. this movie, having never seen it before and having seen army of darkness millions of times. Uh, I was getting a lot of flashes to that. I mean, both shot in, 91 so or both you know 91 movies so so when we uh we're in a jail we have a bunch of the you know merry men and will scarlet says like oh you know what let me escape uh i can get close to robin hood and then kill him and they lash him and send him out and then we get we get christian slater acting his ass off when he's just like you're the reason I'm an only child. Or no, yeah. you're the reason that you ruined my life. Yeah. You ruined my life. Yeah. When he's just like, Oscar moment, Oscar moment. And then. Well, then then Kevin Costner pulls him in. He's like, I have a brother. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just total different spectrums of acting here. We've got, you know, like, he's just going all out. You ruined my life. Oh, I wouldn't say overacting, but he's giving it his all. And then Kevin Costner's like, sweet, I got a brother. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it worked. I mean, it's, it's, it's all hell, but I thought it worked in this this moment here. Uh, I, I, I think I want Kevin Costner to be a little bit more, maybe shed a tear. Like No, it was Robin Hood. <laughs> he says it twice. I think he says the line. He's like, he says it kind of quiet at first, and then he, he doesn't quite shout it as loud as Christian Slater was saying it, but it was – you know, he's also surprised, too, because he's finding out that he has a brother. So he's kind of shocked, I think. And so that's why he's not so kind of over the top, I feel. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, OK, fair enough. I could see that argument. I always forget that Duncan dies. Oh, yeah. They bury Duncan. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that, that made me sad. Then we come up with a plan to uh, break everyone out. And I completely forget about Duncan. Because it's time for Kevin Costner to save the day with a flaming arrow. That that breakout scene is incredible. Uh-uh. It is next level action adventure movie shit right there. Like it is so good. My note is breakout is bonkers. It's so good. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, we also find out that Will Scarlet is a terrible liar. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's like, uh, they buried him, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't see. There's like, did you you saw his body? He's like, no, but I saw a eye shift back and forth. Grave. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what is this? A scene from like The Simpsons? Like, what kind of lie is this? <laughs> but uh, yeah, his head gets put on one of the explosive barrels filled with the black powder magic. Mm-hmm. And that guy like spits on his face when he's like telling him like, there's plenty of room. I'm like, whoa. There's a lot of drool in this movie. There's a lot of moisture, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if one thing I've learned about old English history is there is a lot of saliva. Yes, yes. That's, that's the one thing that we should all leave this film knowing. Yes. That during the 1100s, people just drooled everywhere. Yes. There was no control of that. So when uh, he shoots the executioner in the head with a flaming arrow, I jump out of my skin. <laughs> <laughs> Like just pure happiness, like yeah, take that fucker. And that's that's why it's the cover of the VHS because that's the iconic shot from the movie. Yeah, it's it's slow mo, and that's when that's one cool thing about the whole thing is you know they have this whole plan, and then it gets thrown sideways because the little kid sees Will Scarlet, and he gets mad, and that's why Will Scarlet's there in the first place. And so then they have to change their whole like plan of attack and kind of you know, up the uh, the time of when they, they strike. And, yeah, that was the thing where he just, he's hopping down, dunk, dunk, and then does that, shoots it in slow-mo. Mm-hmm. Badassery. Yeah, they have to change the plan on the run. We get uh, Little John knocks down all of the, well, I don't even know what it's called, where everyone was being hung. Yeah, and, and the, the gallows. Yeah, the, he knocks down the gallows. And then we also get Alan Rickman. When one of the, like, uh, I don't know, higher-ups goes, is this... Is this your idea of a of a marriage, or is this your idea of a, a wedding or something? Just shut up, you twerp! Oh yeah, is this your idea of a, of a control or, or of, you know control over your people or whatever? Yeah, doesn't he call him a twerp? I think he says twit. Yeah, I think he says twit a couple times. Twit? I don't know. It's great though. It's, it's Alan Rickman being Alan Rickman. Yeah, is Alan Rickman just being fucking wonderful? <laughs> uh, then he grabs Maid Marian. This is weird. He needs to put a baby in her to make it official, I guess. To so that he can be the yeah. king. Yeah. Or consummate the marriage. I love how he was just, he refuses to rape her until they're married. Yeah, he's like, I wanna do one thing pure. I wanna have one thing pure in my life. Yeah. I, it's, it's so creepy. Yeah. It's so effective. Well And the way he says it too, like, can I I want something that is pure in my life. Would you leave me alone? Like the way he says it the the pacing and everything about it is is very Alan Rickman. According to the extended cut, it's his mom cheering him on to rape someone. And it's like in the room. Yeah. Behind him. Like cheering him on, like have sex with this woman. I do like that because there's that moment where she comes over to like give him a pillow to put under her head. Hey, at least at least make her head comfortable while you're raping her, right? See, that was the one where I'm like, mm, I don't know about this joke because when made, but I was like, whatever. Uh, there's been so much in this film, I'll, I'll just let it pass. But the one I don't, I I do want to know the decision of who thought it would be funny to have him spread her legs in that weird shot that they put it See, in. Yeah, I didn't think it was supposed to be funny. I thought it was supposed to be like horrific because it's pretty violent. Like the well, way he does I, it. I can't tell. It confuses me. I'm like, wait. To me, it's kind of bordering on that line of horrific and comedic. 
Yeah, it's because it's Alan Rickman. He's so big and over the top, you know, like he's so silly in the movie. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think if it was any other actor doing that, you wouldn't see it as comedic, I think. Yeah. Because you're coming off of the of him like saying, I can't do this with all that racket because they're like trying to ram down the door. His grandma slash mom slash witch is like right there watching it while the priest is still reading off the um, like the marriage. <laughs> like it's all very chaotic. And so. Yeah, well, you know what? That uh, preacher or whatever his name is, he gets his just desserts because... Uh, Friar Tuck kills him. Doesn't he call him like a greedy bastard? Yeah, he calls yeah. him a greedy bastard. Let me help you pack. Yeah, I love that. But don't forget these 30 pieces of silver to pay the devil on your way to hell and pushes them out the window. Brother Friar, you would not strike a fellow man of the cloth. No. No. I wouldn't. In fact, I'll help you pack for your journey. You're going to need lots of gold to help you on your way to... You're very rich! And now, here's 30 pieces of silver to pay the devil on your way to hell! I cheered for that. I was like, yeah, you're fucking awesome. I love you, Friar Tuck. We get a, now the sword fight in this, it just feels like Alan Rickman is like just swinging that thing at, at Kevin Costner as hard as he can. Yeah, this is a, this feels threatening. Like yeah. I'm like, someone's in danger in this sword fight here, which I love. He's like chopping everything down. And you could tell because... The, that sword, uh, his dad's sword, the one Alan Rickman's using, is just, it's going through everything. And you can see the one Kevin Concert's using is super chipped up. So you, you've got this, like, feeling that, like, oh, no, this is there's no way this is going to end well. I'm with you guys here, especially Matt, when you just said that. I felt like, I was like, oh, man, he, he kind of just seems like he's going berserk on Kevin Costner. And Kevin Costner is literally blocking this for his life. Yes, that's what this feels like. Yeah. So uh, kudos to those two guys for pulling that off. And then the other side of the door, which they were trying to break down with the the Sheriff of Nottingham, has a statue made for himself. Yes. And they're trying. Yeah, they break it down. They yeah. knock the head off and everything like that. But when the witch goes and stabs Azim, Azim just looks stunned. It's almost like that was Morgan Freeman's first time ever seeing that actress in makeup. Yeah, he, I was like, it, whoa. Because <laughs> it looks very real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he takes the spear out of his thigh or whatever, she stabs him. Then he like points it at her and she runs straight into it. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what was her plan. Like she's just running at him with nothing in her hands. She's a tiny frail old lady. Like what was, what was she planning on doing? What almost felt like she was blaming him too while she was running into it. She's like, how could you do this? And, <laughs> and it's before Azim even stabs him or stabs her. So he, his, his face of shock is also like, not only am I seeing this crazy woman, but she's literally saying stuff that makes no sense. Yes. yes. Yeah. We have Robin Hood uh, defeating the sheriff of Nottingham by stabbing him in the heart when he lifts his father's giant sword to kill him. Yeah. With the knife that, the Sheriff of Nottingham gave to Marion. Yes, and then she gave to Robin Hood to, as a donation, and then he took it without her knowing. Yep. Yes. So that's, you've got that Alan Rickman looking at it and holding it, and like, it's much more of a betrayal and a 
a figurative stab in the heart as well. Yes, the woman that he forced to marry her betrayed him. Yeah. <laughs> Never saw that coming. <laughs> his like childlike confusion just like adds to the character. Like his childlike confusion of betrayal or whatever is wonderful. It's the sheriff dying, like just so much spit and drool yeah. and just like gross. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, someone get that da- dying man a napkin. <laughs> And he has that, like, dried wax from it being dumped on him to make his chest look all nasty, too. And just, like, nothing about it. Just, ugh. Yeah, his death is gross and over the top. Yeah, as you would hope it would be because he's, like, Mm -hmm. a super villain in this movie. So you need to see him go down in the nastiest way possible. Everyone's safe. Robin Hood and Maid Marian get married. Yeah. And another thing I always forget in this film, Sean Connery comes as King Richard... The first? Yeah, whatever. The Lionheart. Yeah, the Lionheart. Kevin Costner refuses to do an English accent, and then we have Sean Connery, who's just like, oh, he's an English king? Sweet, I'll just use my Scottish accent. Yeah, he's like, that's fine. I'm just going to be myself in this. <laughs> yes. I was thinking of that earlier. I was, I was, I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's what I want to mention. It was like, no English accent lead than the king of England, Scottish accent. But uh, that's like a perfect way to uh, end this film because we also got a little bit of the song uh, that like started and then they went to the like wedding theme and then the credits roll and we get full on Brian Adams just singing his heart out. The music video. We get the music video playing behind the credits, which I've never seen in a movie before and it's fucking wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. And that, well, and you know what's funny is This soundtrack, American Film Institute put this film as top 100 scores. I mean, it's an incredible score. Yeah. The Robin Hood theme is amazing in this movie. It's the Morgan Creek theme now. (laughs) It's so good. So much of this film fucking works. It's like, it's like, we're going to do this over the top big production. It's going to appeal to everybody. And we're going to have like top notch music. We're going to have one of the biggest acts in music do the theme song for this movie. And all of it fucking works. It's just like hit after hit after hit in this movie. Critics were really mixed on this. But, you know, you had this. Batman wasn't liked. WB. Then you had um, Robin Hood wasn't liked. Made a ton of money. It wasn't liked by critics. Made a ton of money. It was kind of like the Armageddon before Armageddon. Ten year, you know, like eight or nine years in the future. Yeah, there was was absolutely like almost like a 20 year period where like if it was popular, critics didn't like it. Yeah. It was like popular equals bad. And it's like, no, something can be popular and be good still. Like, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. If something's popular, we don't like it. And most of them could not get the pat. They couldn't get past that Kevin Costner wasn't doing an English accent. And they didn't really talk much about the uh, the rest of the film. And then it seemed like they couldn't get past. They're like, well, we don't understand what Alan Rickman's doing. Uh, he's being awesome. Yeah. He's Done. Fucking being- yeah. It's his first big role after Die Hard. It's like diehard than this, basically. He's basically he was just in Quigley Down Under. That's in, in between. Yeah. It's Alan Rickman, you know, them being like, "Oh, you were awesome in Die Hard. Come be in our fucking movie and do the same thing times a thousand. And he's like, "Got it. I know what that is. I got that for you." Well, he turned on this movie twice, and finally, the third time, the producers told him, "Listen, we understand you don't really like the character on." on paper. So we're giving you basically complete creative control. Do what you want with it. And as soon as that came up, he's just like, done. I'm going to do it. (laughs) 
And uh, he he won a, a couple awards for best character in this film. British Acting Guild or whatever gave him one. And I think a United States one. I, I don't know who it was, but like, or best bad guy. Oh, like an MTV award yeah, or something, something like that, yeah. or Nickelodeon award I don't or something know, like whatever. that. Yeah. And uh, I can definitely see why he got it because damn, yeah. damn, he's damn, great. He's good. It's probably good that he didn't have a lot of scenes with Kevin Costner either because if I wouldn't want to be next to Alan Rickman when he's going no. off, I'm like, I can't compete with that that's man. Why, that's probably why there's so many scenes where he's alone or with the witch because yeah. he just goes, he just riffs and he just does his fucking bigger than life thing. And it's yeah, because you got to. Also give that woman that was playing the witch a lot of credit. Well, his mother, a lot of credit because she keeps up with him yeah. every step. Yeah. She's like, all right, we're going here. Cool. I'm with you. <laughs> What's my motivation? I don't know. Adam's family. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Hey, she's got yeah, that scene when she's uh, like the first time you see her doing like blood magic or whatever. And she's got those little beads on the plate with blood. And she has that freak out where she yells She's like, I have seen a dance. You know, like, like, yeah, it works completely fine. Yeah, I love it. Uh, okay, so guys, I think it's kind of obvious, but do we recommend it? John, I'll start with you. Absolutely. Okay, easy, <laughs> done, simple, like it. Matt. Yes, and also just pick this VHS up if you see it. This one's not hard to find. It, it is such a treasure of the 90s, and watching it on tape is just like it'll magically transport you back to 91 because it's it looks the the sweaty and hot feel of it comes through so well on like the magnetic tape i definitely say pick this one up we'll seek it out on vhs too because it is a direct time machine for you that's a sweep i agree (laughs) they've said everything that i wanted to for anything just get it because there's a music video at the end that plays over the credits which is crazy and i want more of that yeah hollywood can we get more of that yeah like if your music video so your music video comes out before the movie does to promote the movie that's the way that usually works fucking stick it in the end of the movie then you already have it it's already out people have seen it like fucking stick it in the end that's awesome (laughs) stick it in the end are we talking about robin hood the porn parody yes okay (laughs) stick it in the end i got excited porn you know how it is guys i'm a 13 year old yes magically transported back with vhs's to being 13 yep damn right let's head to the museum This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. All right, this is the part of the show where we put something in our museum, and now we've got a visitor here, so our visitor wing is getting more. Uh, it's got to be positive, something we love, or negative, but we got to learn from. Yes. Matt, this is your rental, so take it away. I mean, it's perfect that I go first because we were just talking about it. It's the fucking song. It's the fucking music video. It's... It's Brian Adams of Masterwork. Don't tell me it's not worth trying for. You can't tell me it's not worth dying for. You know it's true. Everything I do. Uh, 
I know this is theme song September, so it's kind of easy to throw the theme song in the museum for every one of these movies. But this is the only one where I'm going to do it. The theme song and the music video at the end is just brilliant. It's fucking wonderful. John, guest, what are you putting in the visitor's wing? I think I'm going to go really multi-level. I'm going to inception my what I'm putting in the the museum is I'm going to put the Sean Connery cameo in there because Sean Connery is in Indiana Jones. So there's your inception level there. But he also played Robin Hood in the seventies in Robin Hood and Marion. And I think that's why he had that, they had that throw in of him at the end. And that to me was just, uh, they did that. I felt a lot in the nineties and it had that really made you even feel better about the movie. And you just really left it on a high note. So uh, I want to stick in Azim you know, with this character being very positive towards Muslims and uh, an intelligent character, the character that is like from another world. And then we realize we're all the same. That would be the very gently thing for me to do. So that's why I'm sticking in the drunken friar talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. I have found out something about myself after watching this and lady bird very long ago, lady hawk, lady hawk, Fuck. Damn you, Lady Bird. I've done that before. After watching that, after watching this in Lady Hawk, I found out that I love drunk monks. <laughs> I I don't know when that happened, but damn it, give me more of them. I, I love it when he's like taking the grain and he's like, let us learn about this wonderful thing called grain. And then they cut away to follow Robin Hood and he goes, and now let's learn about beer <laughs> yes I'm like man this guy's <laughs> awesome yeah they there's a lot of like side characters that are just classic and great like he, he being one azim another the cousin to the sheriff and he's got his own there's just a lot of classic really nice like side characters that are done really well that make you like just overall help the whole movie even better so colorful side characters is honestly your key to a great movie Probably, like yeah just like screenwriters and filmmakers that are listening take note like if you surround your lead character with a bunch of fun side characters your movie's instantly watchable people will remember it people are gonna have a good time you may not be like the greatest thing ever made but you will be remembered yeah whoever did the casting in this film nice job nailed it fucking nick from morgan freeman to ellen rickman to fryer tuck everybody great yes in this movie let's uh go to behind the scenes here i'll try to go through this fast because we're fucking long Carrie Ellis, he turned down Robin Hood for this. Two years later, he decided to do Mel Brooks's Men in Tights. That's he's a he's a great Robin Hood, by the way, though. Like he's great. He's great in that movie. He's perfect. Yeah. Well, th- this movie had a really tough time being edited. There's a lot of stories you can read about it. We've gone too long, so I'm not gonna go into it. You can find it on the internet. Plenty of them. But the fuck me, he they cleared it. Uh, by Will Scarlet, completely ad-libbed. Yeah, it felt like it. Yeah, it felt like that. Christian Slater, say something hip for the kids. And, and he almost looked like he was about to say it right into the camera. Yes. I, you know, I didn't notice that until I watched it this time. That that's what he said. I didn't get that for years watching it. That that's what he said. Yeah, they're one PG thirteen fuck. So Alan Rickman, so much of his was ad-libbed. But one of my favorite ones is when he's just like, "Oh, and cancel Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being the people behind the camera trying not to laugh with Rickman. Like, he must be 
awesome to work with. Like I, I can just imagine being the director and just like watching that and just being like, we got, we got something here. Like we got, this is, this is gold. Like I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> I, I feel like I should mourn his lossing more after watching this, after revisiting this. Cause yeah, we're never going to get another great, Rickman performance like this again. But luckily we have this one and we'll never lose it. Yes, we'll have this forever and it's uh, preserved on tape for some of us here. <laughs> this would be a, ber- a perfect time to insert Alan Rickman saying always from Harry Potter. Always. That's my favorite character in Harry Potter and I don't even like the Harry Potters. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Alan Rickman. Oh, I wrote this down for you. Sam Neill turned down the sheriff role. He didn't like the uh, script either. He didn't like the character. I'm sure the character was poorly written. And like fucking the actor needed to bring it to life. That's what Rickman Rickman said when he brought it. So Rickman brought in a comedian. I forget his name. To spice up his lines. And apparently he spiced up a lot of the lines. And you can tell. Yeah, it's great. It works. Uh, Sean Connery is 61 in this film playing a 37-year-old. I just... Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. This film completely removes the character of brother John Richard, Richard the Lionheart's younger brother who was running England at the time when he left to go to France. Uh, I found that fascinating that they're just like, well, we can't figure out how to put this character. Fuck it. He's gone. Yeah. I mean, it works. Like I don't, that would just overbloat the thing. They just cut it down lean. It's all I need. I got all the characters I need here. And then Robin Wright was supposed to play, uh, Maid Marian. She was uh, she was pregnant with her baby, so they had to recast. And four or five days before shooting started, Mary Elizabeth of the Abyss, which I'm sure are maybe Color of Money or the Abyss. I'm sure our fans yeah. would know her from that. Yeah, those those two. No time to prepare. She got on set, and damn, good job. Yeah, nailed. It. She's she's. I wish she didn't have to just be the damsel in distress at the end because she is really good in this movie. You know, I just thought about this. If they wanted her to be like a progressive woman, kind of like Ripley, why didn't she kill the sheriff at the end with right. the dagger? Right. That would have been a little more satisfying. That would have made more sense. Yeah. Oh, man. I wonder if that's what it was originally and like Kevin Costner's mullet wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> Alan Rickman broke seven swords uh, while doing that scene. He said he had a blast. <laughs> It looks like it. This script at the time sold for a record high $1.2 million. Wow. And apparently the dialogue was shit. According to Alan Rickman, his exact quote, the dialogue was shit. Story-wise, it works, though. It got us got us all the hits that we expect to see in a Robin Hood thing. If you can't get enough Slater and Morgan Freeman, you can see them paired up together in Hard Rain. Yes. Which is one I've I've clamored a little bit for we should watch. I don't think either of us have the tape. I know I don't. I do not. Uh, Connery donated his $250,000 he made for two days of shooting to charity. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's pretty incredible. Quarter of a million dollars. He just goes, eh, give it to charity. Yeah, because you don't need it. He's James fucking Bond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie also had a Nintendo game, yeah. a Game Boy game, and I think it was on the cover of Nintendo Power. Wow. So, yeah. That's... I bet those games are turds. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. You can rate review us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Podbean. Fuck all the shit with all the pod stuff. Yes. And come back next week as we talk about uh, a gem from the 80s, an underseen gem from the 80s. Earth Girls are easy next week. 
All right, John, thank you for coming on. Uh, John, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And remember to be kind. Rewind. Arrow shoot. <laughs> <laughs>